everybody. Welcome back to the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Pakulski. We have another amazing podcast coming at you today. We're looking at leadership, ketogenic dieting, the myth of stretching. One amazing training tip you're not going to want to miss. One lesson I've learned along the way in my 10-year business, my 10-year anniversary this year, and the five things that I personally do every day to ensure I'm thriving. I'm going to talk about that and so much more after a quick word from our sponsor. Hey everybody, I the podcast to bring you a special message from our incredible sponsor, Buy Optimizers, a longtime sponsor of the podcast because people who pick up their products love their products. Today's podcast is brought to you specifically by Mag Breakthrough. Magnesium in general is the most important mineral that we all must be taking to thrive. How magnesium works in the body is in over 600 different critical reactions, specifically stress, sleep, and muscle contractions are very important to all of us who are listening to this podcast and especially for me. So personally, as I travel, I take one mag breakthrough before training because I want to make sure my body has what it needs to produce energy and to contract muscles. Post-workout, I want to take enough to calm down my nervous system. So I'll typically take three to four capsules. And again, before bed, I'll take as many as four or five capsules, depending how stimulated I am or how stressed I am that day to really calm down the nervous system. My sleep numbers have bumped up incredibly as measured by my aura ring. Magnesium is by far one of the most important minerals and supplements we can take in general for overall health. It's one of the five I suggest to literally everyone. So if you're not already taking a great full spectrum magnesium, I highly suggest you pick up Mag Breakthrough. Now this makes every other magnesium on the market pale in comparison simply because they're not full spectrum. This has seven different types of magnesium, all with different chelates. We can actually affect different tissues in the body. So we get all seven critical forms of magnesium. So it allows your body to function optimally, to improve your brain, your sleep, your pain, and your inflammation, and ultimately, as we know, less stress. So uh, thank you very much to uh, Bioptimizers and Mag Breakthrough. You can pick it up at magbreakthrough.com slash muscle, or use the code muscle10 at magbreakthrough.com slash muscle10. Use the code muscle10 to get hooked off today. M-A-G-B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-U-O-U-G-H slash muscle. Use the code muscle10 to get hooked up with magnesium. Enjoy the show. And we're back talking about leadership. Leadership is something that I aspire to every day after 10 years in business. I realize I have some limitations in my leadership ability and certainly my understanding of what leadership is. And uh, as I grow in that space and as my business continues to grow and expand, leadership is something that continues to come up for me. It's not something that I ever uh, was aware of maybe in my childhood and throughout my athletic career. You know, as a bodybuilder, the only person you're leading is yourself. It becomes a very selfish sport. So I never really understood the idea of leadership, even though as an athlete, as a young athlete, I was always the captain of the team. It was simply because I was the best on the team. It wasn't because I actually understood how to get the most out of my entire team. So I've been doing a lot of reflecting. I've been doing a lot of studying in this area of leadership. And it's something that I'm really, really passionate about. I, I love lifting other people up. And I realize personally, I love lifting other people up when I'm around them. With this digital age and having our team literally scattered around the world, it can be incredibly difficult to let your team know that you care about them, that you're invested in them, that we're all working together toward this common mission. So uh, I want to talk a little bit about that today and how I'm going about becoming a better leader. I think it's just, first, I think the most important thing that any leader needs is energy for two. You need to be able to show up and 
have more energy than you need in your life. So some people simply don't have enough time or enough energy to complete all the tasks and all the stress in their own life. That in of itself is going to prevent you from being able to lead, right? As a leader, I need to be able to show up with energy and focus that I can invest in someone else, invest in a lot of people. Sometimes that requires me putting some of my own personal things in the backseat or maybe putting them in an automated way, right? And we could talk about how we automate things as well. But specific to leadership, I show up every day with energy for two. I want to make sure that my team knows that I'm behind them. I'm on their team. I want to support them as much as they're supporting me. Um, one thing I think that a leader also needs is the willingness to do the work. A lot of people out there are afraid of their demons. They're afraid of the things that live inside and the trauma that we all carry with us. Something I commit to literally every day is being aware of where I get stimulated or maybe more accurately where I get irritated. And I'm saying, okay, what is it about me in this situation that I need to look at and reflect on? Why is something rubbing me the wrong way? Why is, why is something irritating me? That says something about me in an area I need to explore. So literally every weekend, I'm spending some time on myself, some, some time alone, some time journaling, some time reflecting, some time going inside of myself and exploring why is that there? What is it about my youth or the story that I tell myself about why something is the way it is? So oftentimes, if we're if we're slighted or jaded about something, it's a story we tell ourselves or a belief that we have about the way the world should be. And it's simply our belief that is causing our pain. So as a leader, I insist on doing the work on myself. I can't ask my team to show up at their highest and best if I'm not constantly working and showing up at my highest and best. So what does that look like? Well, long-term, we could talk about that for hours and hours and days and days. But the first thing that I'm going to insist that we all do is simply reflect. When you're on a journey of any kind, whether it be in a car, in a boat, in an airplane, if you don't constantly check the navigation and make sure you're on track, you're going to end up way, way off track. 1% divergence can send you way off the line over the long term. So something that I suggest we all do daily is simply reflect about how we showed up in those areas of life that are important to us. So in my example... I, the first thing that I'm always going to reflect on is how did I show up for my family today? How do I show up for my kids? How do I show up for my family? And that's very, very important to me. And if there's an area where I know I didn't show up well, maybe I was a little reactive or maybe I wasn't supportive or I wasn't accepting of who they are, I'm going to reflect on that and say, how can I do better next time? And then I'm going to reflect on business. How can I do better in business? How can I maybe show up better, maybe be more organized, plan a little more effectively, uh, how can I show up for my team more effectively? Let them know that I actually care about them, that I support them. That's very, very important. Uh, and then maybe finally, how did I show up in my body and for myself? Um, the last thing we want to do as someone who aspires for greatness, as a high achiever, is put others before ourselves. I know that sounds maybe opposite of what we typically hear, but it's so important to acknowledge that if we don't show up for ourselves first, we simply can't show up for other people. And I'm literally going through that right now where – uh, I'm the type of person who, or I, and historically I've been the type of person who um, often will put other people's needs before myself. I know that maybe doesn't sound typical of a bodybuilder, but it is. And that's really one thing that I did uh, as a bodybuilder a lot. So what I found myself doing was uh, creating an island around myself. So I didn't have anyone around because I knew my tendency to put other people first, put me at the back, on the back burner. And I didn't want to do that. So I literally just isolated myself and became this lone wolf and so I'm not going to let anyone into my circle because as soon as I do, I know that I tend to put them first. And if I don't put them first, then I feel like I'm guilty. And I trace that back to some abandonment issues as, as a child where, um, you know, if I didn't put other people first, if I didn't meet their needs, I didn't receive love. 
So as soon as I uh, created an awareness around that and realized like, hey, those abandonment issues probably aren't real. It's just a story that I told myself. And maybe even, even if people did leave me, it wasn't something that I did. It wasn't something that I you know, necessarily caused. And it wasn't my fault. And as soon as I, I let that go, it allows me to now allow people into my life and not feel as though I always have to put their needs first. I can communicate with them and say, hey, I need to get this done first. This is important to me so I can be my best and show up for you as my best. And then we, everyone gets better. And I, I communicate with my kids like that. I communicate with my partner like that. I communicate with my team like that. And, and I'm very, very insistent on creating a routine in the morning that allows me to thrive. And that's one of the topics we're going to talk about a little later on the podcast. So leadership is something that comes up for all of us, whether you're a, a family member, whether you're a coach, whether you are a business owner in, in any situation in life, objectively step into leadership. Whether you're happy with the job you're working at now or you're happy with the business that you own right now, being a leader lets everyone around you see that you're a leader and they're going to they're gonna give you a raise. They're going to give you a promotion. They're going to allow you to ascend through the ranks of a company. When someone comes to me, one of my mentorship clients, and says, you know, I really want to ascend through this profession that I'm in. The, the First thing that I always go to is, well, what are you getting paid? Okay, now how do you do 10x what they're paying you for? I know some of you may say, gosh, how am I, I'm getting paid you know, $30 an hour or something, and how am I going to do $300 worth of work? Find a way, because any employer in the entire world would be absolutely insane to not give you a raise or not give you a promotion if you're doing 10x the work. That, my friends, is simply leadership. Right? You can either lead or you follow. It's a black and white situation. There's only a one leader, right? If you're leading, you're carving a new path. You're being your best. You're showing up at your highest and best. You know, your energy is thriving. Your attitude is exceptional. You're showing up at your best. Or you're a leader. People will notice that. There's so few leaders in our world, in our society. People simply don't notice. So moving along from leadership, I think it's important that um, – we wrap that up and we talk about every one of you listening to this podcast right now is a leader. And I want you to acknowledge that. And I want you to make that one of your areas of reflection every day. How did I show up as a leader today? How can I do better as a leader today in my community, in my family, in my employment, in my job, in my work, or whatever it is that's important to you, those avatars that are important to you and your body, right? How did I show up in my body for my body today, right? Your body shows up for you every single day. You don't have to ask it to do anything. It just shows up, right? You wake up in the morning, your eyes open, your heart beats, your muscles contract. You can walk, you can breathe. Your body shows up for you. How are you showing up for your body and serving it and challenging it and nourishing it and making sure that it's well taken care of and well-groomed so you can live a lean, healthy, and muscular life for a long time? Moving along to the key today, I had a, I had a question come in through the Facebook group this week around transitioning into a ketogenic diet. And I think I've talked about this a lot. For those of you who don't know, I actually have a program called Ketogenic Muscle Intelligence. I believe the URL is simply ketogenicmuscleintelligence.com. And uh, Danny Vega and I partnered on a program that uh, kind of walks you through how to build muscle on a ketogenic diet, which is incredibly different than a non-ketogenic diet. So those of you that don't know, and one of the problems that this person was experiencing is they said, you know, the first week was incredibly hard. They felt like they had no energy, their muscles were very sore, they were achy. And um, what I found was they had um, actually been consuming a huge amount of carbohydrates in the week leading in, kind of a, as like, a, I don't know if it was a celebration or if it was some type of reward, like, hey, I'm going to start this keto diet next week, I need to get all the carbs in. 
that's probably the worst thing you can do for a ketogenic diet because you're effectively training your body to use more glycogen for fuel. So my suggestion for people who are transitioning into a ketogenic diet is you may want to take a phase or a period of slowly taking carbohydrates out and deteriorating carbohydrates over time, um, maybe periods of extended fast, not necessarily extended fasting, but increasing the duration of a fast. Maybe you're going originally from eight hours you know, during sleep to 10 hours to 12 to 14. And that simply, that process alone will allow your body to become more effective at burning fat. So if you're someone who tends to, you know, get very hungry and, you know, hangry maybe more accurately when you don't eat for a few hours, that tells you your body's very likely dependent on carbohydrates for fuel. And we want to kind of work on that. And some of the basic things we need to work on that first, just let your body use fat for fuel by simply having lower blood sugar, lower insulin levels, um, but also learning to control our uh, activity level, our stress level, not necessarily activity, but stress. So if my, I'm very stressed, my body tends to flip more into the use of carbohydrates as fuel at rest. We want to make our body much more efficient at using fat for fuel at rest. And you know, the way we do that is simply learning to control our breath, uh, improve our aerobic fitness, decrease our stress by increasing our, and inc increasing our HRV, heart rate variability. So uh, hopefully that is a perspective for anyone that's on a ketogenic diet or aspiring to be on a ketogenic diet. And now I will tell you, you can absolutely put muscle on, on a ketogenic diet. Actually, one of the ways that Danny and I, so we trained together for about four months, um, both of us on a ketogenic diet, he did it with zero carbohydrates. Um, and I added in some UCAN starch during my training. And so those of you don't know UCAN, um, it's a very, very slow released carbohydrate. And so basically it doesn't spike your blood sugar. It doesn't take you out of a ketogenic state, but can fuel performance by keeping your blood glucose uh, from dipping too low. And oftentimes on a ketogenic diet, your body can really, uh, your, your blood glucose can dip. So by adding in about 70 to 75 grams of UCAN starch each workout, I was able to increase my output significantly. And uh, as we progressed through the workouts, Danny would actually fall off. And you know, he's a very, very fit guy. His performance would fall off relatively quickly, whereas I could sustain it into the later hours of the workout. And that made a big difference to my, my ability to put on probably more muscle than he did. He put on a ton of muscle and he looked incredible. Um, but I probably ended up putting a little more on and simply because I could, I could um, keep my performance very, very high. So uh, that's a little hack for you guys out there who um, aspire to using a ketogenic diet and perform. And actually, you can is a uh, sponsor of the podcast or going, going to be a sponsor of the podcast because I've been... Uh, telling them about all my personal research and, and they're looking to sponsor us. So if you're someone who wants to try, you can, you will have a discount code coming at you very, very soon uh, and available also on the muscle intelligence website. Um, moving on point number three that I want to talk about today is the myth of stretching. Now this is an opinion. I'm going to, I'm going to state that starting off. This is something that's very experimental. And uh, although I've got quite a lot of proof and a lot of, experience to back this up. So I do, I'm not against stretching. I'll first say that. I love stretching. I do yoga multiple times a week. But what I noticed, and this is, I noticed this probably five years ago, was that I actually increased my mobility more with muscle contraction, effective muscle contraction. I'm going to clarify this pretty uh, explicitly for you. So you stretch a muscle, you're telling the muscle, telling the muscle to relax, and, and sometimes temporarily that can improve. But what I found was the stickability, the, the ability to just keep that flexibility never really lasted. It always kind of went away. Unless I did it multiple times every day, the mobility kind of faded pretty quickly. Whereas what I did notice 
So when I actually used intelligent exercise principles, which is contracting into ranges and getting stronger in the extremes of the range, my range opened up significantly and my joint pain went away significantly. So effectively what we're looking at is lengthening into a range versus contracting into a range. And that kind of requires the opposite muscle to work. So an example being, if I'm going into a hamstring stretch, I need my hip flexor and maybe even my quad to be engaging and pulling me down. Like my psoas and hip flexor and my quad is pulling me down into that lengthened hamstring position. So rather than just passively lengthening my hamstring, I'm actually actively shortening the front end of my front end of the joint. Uh, and the results there were exponentially greater and, and continue to be exponentially greater. So when I take somebody on who's got joint issues or, or maybe some mobility issues, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to extend time in end ranges. So I'm going to have them go to the end range, whatever they're capable of doing. And that's not necessarily stretching. It's just like actively moving to wherever they can. I'm going to spend time there on the order of 10 seconds, 20 seconds, 30 seconds. And I want them to get intentionally stronger in that position. So I'm super conscious of uh, contracting the muscle intentionally and learn to contract the muscle harder and harder and harder in those positions. Now, contractions should start off as in, as very specific contractions. So sometimes I'll say like a three out of 10 perceived effort. So it's really, really precise. It's not this just like fast, hard contraction where your body just kind of recruits all of the muscles in that area. It's not the objective. You want it to be specific. So if I'm trying to contract my hip flexors, for example, I just want to contract the hip flexor and make sure that's specifically contracting. It's not this global movement. It's a very isolated movement. And once I can teach that muscle to contract via the mind top down to the nervous system, right? These upper motor neurons controlling my ability to contract that uh, specific muscle, then uh, that muscle's ability to contract gets better. Therefore, the muscle on the back end of that relaxes. Now, this is not a principle that I've come up with myself. This is actually the main premise. As far as I know, as far as I understand, the main premise on which muscle activation techniques works, um, which is my great friend and longtime mentor, Greg Roscoff, who's one of the most brilliant guys on the planet. If anyone's interested in uh, understanding therapy, understanding um, corrective exercise, understanding getting people more out of their body, um, you know, manual therapists effectively, I highly suggest you go over to muscle activation techniques and check out Greg. Uh, he's incredible. Sort of book. Hopefully, we'll get him back in the podcast soon. But he's incredible. And and that was really the first time that I started exploring what I call the myth of stretching. I stretch a lot. I stretch four, five, six times a week. And uh, and sometimes, certainly every day, only you know, I'll do like an hour or four, five, six times a week. And my mobility is great, but um, I get much better retention when I get into that range that I'm trying to get into and learn how to stabilize and contract muscles there. So anyways, enough on that, moving along. I said I'd talk about one training tip today, and, and I always keep like to give you guys one training tip because that's why you're here, that's what we do. At least that's why I got you here, and now we got a lot more stuff to offer. One simple training tip, if you listen to my recent solo cast on intentionality, I wanna walk you through a very simple framework that I suggest everyone be aware of to progress in training. So whether you're a coach, whether you're an athlete, whether you're a beginner, it doesn't matter. This is, what, this is how you should be framing this in your mind. Um, I, I consider everyone in the training realm to be in one of three areas or one of three steps, let's say. So either you're a beginner, you're intermediate, or you're advanced, right? And, and I can kind of define what those are. So if you're a beginner, you're someone who uh, is going to get results simply by doing, just go, right? It's this consistent action. 
it doesn't necessarily matter what you do. It's consistency that matters most. And that is very, very valuable for someone who's in the newer stages of training, or maybe if I have an extended break from training, simply doing is an absolute necessity. You have to just do and do and do until it owns a part of your life, right? So we all get 16 hours in the day. You need this training to own some part of your life consistently. I don't care if it's five minutes, if it's 10 minutes, the goal in the beginning is simply creating the habit. Right? So my objective for everyone who joins my coaching program or my mentorship or whatever it is, uh, I need to own a part of your life every single day. And how much is the most you're willing to contribute and do it every single day. So if it's 10 minutes, that's great. If it's 60 minutes, that's awesome. Whatever it is, there's no, this is non-negotiable, right? You got to do this every day. So if it's like, hey, I can only do 10 minutes every day consistently, that's all we do. And if you can do more than 10 minutes once you're there, you can do it, but you have to commit to a minimum of 10 minutes. And this is beginners. So I need people to, to establish this habit in your life to the point where it's it's no longer a question if you're going to go or you just go. And once we've done that, then we can move on to the intermediate phase. And the intermediate phase is something about what I talked about on the last podcast, which is now you do consistently because consistency is no longer an issue. It's always there. But now you do with intentionality. And the intentionality means I'm looking for ways to make it better. I'm looking for ways to make it harder. Ultimately, I'm looking for ways to make it more effective to move, move me toward my goal. So this obviously has to be goal specific, um, but intentionality when it comes to muscle building means taking an internal focus. What's happening inside of your body, right? What are those muscles doing? Which muscles are doing work? Is it the ones I want to be doing work, right? And can I make them work harder? Can I make this more effective or more challenging to this specific muscle? And that's obviously if your goal is specific to muscle building or specific to, to body composition changes, transformation. So you've moved from beginner, now you're doing it consistently. Once you've ascended past that, we're moving into intentionality, right? So it's not just do now, it's do well, right? Do it really, really well. And this is the phase that everyone misses. And this is, I, in my opinion, the most important phase, really the premise of which muscle intelligence was, was formed is like everyone's just missing this piece. Everyone jumps from doing to doing hard. They're going, I'm just going to do it. And now I'm gonna, my coaches, I need to work harder. And you're simply missing a massive foundational piece, you simply cannot make long-term progress without doing this with intentionality. So that, from my, from my perspective, that means doing it well and, and doing it consistently and aspiring to make it as hard as you possibly can, or maybe more appropriately, more effective as you possibly can at the result. That doesn't necessarily mean working hard yet, right? It means I need to get better and better and better at doing this. It's this idea of working smart before you work hard. And so muscle intelligence is really based on this, this concept. And we teach or we advocate maybe a yearly primer phase. So we call it primer phase is this somewhere from four to six weeks, sometimes longer for people. Uh, every single year you go through this primer phase where you're relearning movement patterns, you're improving depth of intentionality. So depth of intentionality, meaning like uh, how accurately can I get into this muscle? Can I contract this muscle? How accurately can I be specific about using only this muscle? And so, again, I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in, in the advanced phase because that's very, very important. That's part of the scaling of mastery is depth of intentionality has to scale. Uh, that's really it. And, and most people miss this phase. So if you haven't done a muscle intelligence primer phase, you're missing out. I guarantee you're leaving gains on the table. So muscle intelligence or MI40 foundation is effectively a primer phase. That's, you know, we've got multiple levels in that program and it's really teaching you how to contract. There's a lot of execution mastery videos. Um, but we're going to be coming out with a lot more primer type workouts. We've actually got them all built, just going to be being released to the public uh, very, very soon through some basic um, funnels that we're putting together. 
And this is a foundational piece of progress that 90% of the fitness population simply doesn't get. And they skip over and this intentionality phase it into hard work and you're missing a big, big piece of the puzzle. Why? Because the more intentional I get, the better I get at skill. So the better I get at the skill of exercise. So with intentionality also uh, blends skill. I get better the execution of skill of exercise. Um, and I develop a skill that I can keep forever, right? So if I, if I work hard for a few weeks or months, I can put on a bunch of muscle, but did I develop the skill and the focus and intentionality that's going to last forever, right? Like riding a bicycle, I learn how to ride a bike. And over time, I get better and better and better at riding a bike because I've learned how to ride the bike. Whereas if I just skip over the like learning part and I get on a bike, maybe it's got training wheels on it and I go really, really fast. And I get off. So I had a lot of fun. It was really great. Maybe I made some progress. Maybe I, I improved in some proportion. Um, but I missed this phase that ultimately allowed me to build the right skills, the right execution ability, and keep it forever. It's not going to go away. You're on the bike, right? Um, so anyways, moving on to uh, mastery. Mastery is, first of all, I want to acknowledge something about mastery. People think here mastery, and they think it's a static thing. It's things like, once I get it, I got it. It's absolutely not the case. Mastery is a process. Mastery is a dynamic process whereby you, it's like, think about the degrees of a black belt, right? Once you once you um, received your black belt in some type of martial art, oh, I'm, I'm a black belt. Yeah, but now what about second degree black belt, third degree black belt, and fourth degree black belt, and fifth, and probably 10th, right? There's so many degrees of uh, depth in the black belt. And that's really what this, what this metaphor is. It's like, as you master an exercise, let's say you're able to do a 100 pound dumbbell with a chest press, well, that means you've mastered it at 100 pounds. But what if I go to 110? I haven't mastered that yet, right? I have to then master that. And that's why it's a process. It's a dynamic, dynamic process of pushing effort and execution, right? It's this dynamic process of effort, execution, and intentionality. How can we scale all of those really at the same time or in a dynamic dance? And so that's the third phase. And that's where most people jump to. And I don't think you should avoid that phase. I think we should certainly work that phase. My suggestion is you spend about 10 months of the year in the quote unquote hard work phase, but you have to spend at least six weeks a year, ideally maybe maybe do it twice, 12 weeks a year in this learning primer type phase to kind of relearn these moving patterns, relearn these, this process that uh, each of you must in my opinion, must master to be able to build muscle long-term and make it easier, right? It doesn't have to be hard. You can make so much progress simply by doing it well. There's this concept of progressive overload where people mistakenly understand it as simply put more weight on the bar. And that's not wrong if you're if you're in Olympic lifting or powerlifting and simply putting more weight on the bar is the, is the objective. But in bodybuilding, adding more weight to the bar does not equate to more growth always, right? Sometimes it does. But if your form changes, which it almost always does, because your body is designed to cheat, your body is designed to make it easy and use as little muscle as possible and use as little energy as possible, your body will move that weight with as little effort and muscle as possible. Whereas our objective as athletes, we want to change our body, say, no, 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 I want to make this as hard as I possibly can for the muscle. That's the leaning in part. That's the intentionality part. Like, how can I intentionally make this harder? Most people skip over that. And I think um, that's a big, big mistake. So if you're someone who's very committed to ultimately transforming your body and you want to learn a primer phase and it could be for any specific body part. Primer phase can, can work with a specific one specific body part, or it can be a full body general uh, primer phase. Oftentimes we suggest picking one or two body parts and doing a primer for those. Those are going to be available on musontoutness.com slash body part coming up in the very uh, near future. Right now you can get on those that website and pick up a body part specialization guide 
So every verbal tip that I've ever given in person has actually been turned into a guide, a um, ex exercise execution mastery guide for free. No cost at all, drop your email in there and we'll send it to you. And uh, those are exceptional. Those are so, so valuable. If you have a hard time training any body part, there are some tips in there that I guarantee you've never heard before and I guarantee will help you make a massive, massive change. So hopefully it helps moving along. I wanna talk about two more things before we wrap up. First one is one lesson I've learned in business. And most of you have, many of you are entrepreneurs, many of you are coaches, uh, many of you have your own business, uh, many of you work for other people's business, but the, the thing in business that I'm realizing, and this, I've made this mistake for so many years, is it's very important to realize that in business, there's only two ways to make money. There's two, that's it, right? Either you acquire more customers or you make the customer worth more money. And that's it. So it's, I'm either getting more people through the door or I'm increasing their the value of that customer. And knowing that allows you to create intentional systems around those aspects of the business. So what I'm realizing is most entrepreneurs and most coaches are leaving so much money on the table simply not knowing that reality and uh, spreading themselves very thin with the things they do. So what I realize is um, what most entrepreneurs are doing is they're trying to acquire leads in so many different areas instead of simply exhausting one area first, right? So they don't have a very specific avatar. They don't know exactly who their customer is and exactly what that customer needs or wants. And uh, they just go like, I wanna serve everybody. That's, a, that's the problem. You simply can't, right? And you know that. So start creating a very specific customer avatar, which is we call it the bullseye, your, your number one most ideal customer. And who is that person? And where do they congregate? And what do they do? And what do they, what do they love? And what are their pains? And what are their fears? And how can you ultimately help them? And here's the thing. Help them simplify their life. What I'm noticing <laughs> a lot in the fitness industry, and I laugh because it's so common, people are adding the or trying to sell these programs that are so complex that they're actually making somebody's life harder right don't increase the amount of work that this person's going to need to do don't increase the amount of time commitment your job is to decrease the amount of work and decrease the amount of time commitment right you want to make it more efficient more effective that is an appealing offer if you come to me and say uh, and say hey man i want to sell you this program and it only is going to take you three hours a day i'm like well, where am i getting those three hours from right i don't have those three hours so, but if I say, hey, those three hours you're doing to do this, I'm going to make it one hour. Like, oh, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, can, how do I do that? Or, hey, that thing that you thought was going to take you a year, I'm going to help you do it in six weeks. Like, oh, wow, that's awesome. Like, yeah, let's do that, right? And then being able to prove that you can, being able to actually do it, going through that process and ensuring you can actually follow through on that offer is a very, very powerful place to come with the world. So this is a lesson that I've learned in business over the last 10 years. As my business uh, has gone through ups and downs and, and ebbs and flows and, and new teams and, and really everything, right? There's so many um, amazing opportunities that I've had to learn in business that I'm super grateful to be able to pass those on now to my mentorship group and my coaching team and uh, my, my clients, ultimately my coaching clients. So to wrap this podcast up today with the five things that I do every day to thrive. So my brain goes to, when I think about thriving, how do I want to show up, right? How do I want to show up? The first thing that's most important to me is energy, right? I want to have an abundance of energy to get through everything I need in the day. So what is something I can do every day to ensure that I have abundance of energy? Now, for me, this is a non-negotiable, right? Like, 
how do I ensure that when I show up for you, when I show up for my team, when I show up for my kids, when I show up for my family, I have an abundance of energy. I think a lot of us are suffering with that, right? I don't have energy for sex at the end of the day. I don't have energy to play with my kids. I don't have energy to do my work. I don't have enough energy to commit to my spouse, whatever it is, right? We need energy. So what are the things you can do every day that are basic, simple, easy, and effective at creating energy? Well, my suggestion to each of you is that movement is key, and so is breath work. Those are the two that are absolutely non-negotiable for me. Now, it doesn't have to be any specific type of movement necessarily. It's simply a movement at a certain intensity for a certain amount of time. So it could be a walk. It could be a bike ride. It could be a run. It could be really anything you want. Uh, But get a certain amount of time in. So for me, I'm going to do at least, well, I say at least 30 minutes is like my my commitment, but it's usually 10,000 steps. It's usually an hour a day and sometimes up to three hours. So these are like my minimum non-negotiables. And I always, always, always breathe for usually multiple times a day, I'll do a couple hundred intentional breaths and it takes three to five minutes and I feel so much more energized, so much more focused. And uh, it's, a, it's a game changer. And a breath practice is something, if you guys want to learn about a breath practice, tune into my episode with Brian McKenzie, tune into my episode with Patrick McEwen, um, amazing, amazing guests who have been on in the past. And I can link to those in the show notes for you. Uh, so that is, call it two things that I do every day so that I thrive. The one thing that I do every day that's important to me, may not be important to you, is I make sure that I hit my protein requirement for the day. So when it comes to nutrition, I want to hit my protein and I want to have a wide array of vegetables. That's kind of my my basis, right? I want to hit my protein, which for me is about 250 grams a day. And then I'll hit some diverse array of vegetables that I enjoy. And I want them to be a combination of cooked vegetables and a combination of fresh vegetables. That's it. Really simple. And usually to that, I'll add some salt I'll add some fat, which is usually in the form of fresh pressed olive oil. You guys know I'm a fanatic and avocado, sometimes coconut oil, sometimes some nuts. I add in a variety of different types of nuts all the time just because nuts have very useful micronutrients. Um, so that's called that three things I do every day. Another thing I do every day is I aim to get to bed shortly after sunset. Now, Depends where in the world. Sometimes the bed doesn't, the sun doesn't go down until 11 p.m. in the summertime. Sometimes it goes down to 5 p.m. I'm trying to, at very least, have what we call a digital sunset, which means when the sun goes down, so does my tech. That's I'm not 100% consistent with that, but I'm certainly consistent with a reasonably early bedtime. And I like that because I love to get up unreasonably early, right? If I can get up at 3.30 every day, I'm very happy. If I can get up at 4.30 every day, I'm content. Any later than 5.30 is very, very unusual. I just love the idea of being able to knock out three to five hours of work before the entire world is up. And then I can just feel free for the day. I can feel like, gosh, you know, if things come up and then the whirlwind of life takes over, I can simply feel great about having done all the things that I need to do that day. And I prioritize the most important things first. That's actually ironically the next point um, on my list of things to do every day. So I'll just segue into that one, which is prioritization. I realized this recently. Hopefully all of you, all of you realize it too. People who succeed simply know what to prioritize and they prioritize it. (laughs) So they know what to prioritize and they actually do it. And that to me is really the difference between people who succeed and fail. Like if you're in fitness or your aspirations to get in better shape and you don't know what to prioritize every day, you simply don't get results. You get frustrated. You give up. Whereas if you hire somebody to go, Hey, person, these are the things that are most important to you. For you, because it's different than it is for me. Uh, well, then prioritize those things and actually do them. And when you know you're doing the things that are important and moving the needle for you, then you get inspired, you get motivated. You're like, I want more of this. I see results. I want more. 
your, your brain is trained to move toward reward, right? Toward pleasure. So if you're getting pleasure from the exercise or from the training or the fitness, your body's going to want more of it. So I think this is a really important one. So don't breeze over this one as I talk about this. People who succeed know what to prioritize and they prioritize it. And so let's think about people who are wealthy. Well, they know what to prioritize. They know what things they need to do every day to make more wealth. And they do it. That's it. And then it doesn't mean they need to do everything. They simply do the most important things, right? And so thinking that through, what I do then is I, I create my top five every day. So if you guys are interested in this, I do this with all my coaching programs. I'm actually working on developing a coaching program specific to men. I'm creating a men's group whereby we are going to commit to um, keeping each other accountable to our top five every day. So we're going to have a team of coaches who are going to assist you in delivering these top five. And uh, or at least assist you in determining what those top five are and they're going to deliver them to you and they're going to keep you accountable as a group every week to this top five. So these are my top five every week. These are the five things I do every day to thrive, right? And for me, if I do these things, I crush. And if I don't, I know. If I don't, this big word comes up for me, this one single word that gives me anxiety more than anything else. It's integrity. You guys don't align with the word integrity. I suggest you start thinking about it and see what it means to you. Integrity to me is um, my thoughts, my words, and my actions are in alignment. They're linear. And that's so important. So when I'm writing something down, I'm like, okay, am I prioritizing what's most important today? And it's different for every person based on your values. So if you know what's prioritized, you've got to know your values, you've got to know your goals, and you prioritize it. So my ladies and gentlemen, I hope that was helpful for you. I hope that was some useful conversation around what I'm up to right now. For those of you who don't know, I'm still in Costa Rica. I've been here for, oh, geez, almost two months now, a month and a half, and I'm loving it. I'm having a great time and spending a lot of time uh, writing, uh, a lot of new amazing things coming in the business, spending a lot of time exercising, a lot of time on the beach, um, really brainstorming out the next 25 years of my life. And that Framework comes from a gentleman by the name of Dan Sullivan. If you guys know Dan Sullivan, I highly suggest you pick up his book, 25-Year Framework. Um, just like pushes things out in the future and absolutely love it. If someone is having a hard time getting focused on what you want to do, if you have a hard time um, maybe feeling like you're overwhelmed with too much to do, creating a 25-year framework has been massive for peace of mind, for clarity, for direction, for getting things done. So thank you to Dan Sullivan who... I aspire to work with in a while soon. So Dan is 78 years old and he's sounds like he's in his forties or fifties and is so energized, so inspired, helping thousands of amazing entrepreneurs around the world. Uh, he's got a podcast with my friend Dean Sullivan called the joy of procrastination worth checking out. You probably got some other podcasts out there, but uh, that's, so that's what I've been working on down in Costa Rica. Um, loving life, enjoying myself and getting ready to head back to the world as it begins to open up. I hope everyone is well. I hope everyone is safe. And uh, I hope everyone is staying sane in this challenging, uh, unusual time. Uh, but one thing I will say is if you stay focused on your objectives and have tunnel vision on your goals, the world around you will fall into place. If you know where you're going, the world will lay its foundation for you. It will lay out in front of you exactly what you need. Know where you're going. Work with diligence work with prioritization and focus and it'll happen. Instead of allowing the whirlwind of life and the whirlwind of politics and the whirlwind of controversy to pull your attention, stay focused. Stay focused on what you're doing and pull through. Surround yourself with the people that are going to support you 
that are not going to distract you, that are going to lift you up and not pull you down, right? The type, the five people you surround yourself with matter massively. If you don't already have a great tribe that you surround yourself with, find them, hire them. 2012, maybe it was early 2013, I realized that the five people I surrounded myself were, with were my three children and my wife <laughs> and maybe, you know, my training partner. I was like, well, this isn't going to be conducive to what I want to do in my life. The conversations I'm having are with babies and that's not awesome. So I decided to hire three coaches all in different areas and my life changed. My perspective changed. My, the way I approach life changed. My feeling empowered changed, right? I was no longer a victim to my circumstance. I was no longer a victim to life. I became empowered. And I want all of you to realize that it's either black and white, right? You're either a victim or you're empowered. There's no in between. So if you don't feel empowered, look for the places you're being a victim and find a way to switch your consciousness. I call it flipping your consciousness away from victimhood into empowerment. How do we do that? Take responsibility for it all and realize you can be grateful for all of the challenges in your life. It's not complicated. It may not be easy, but you can do it. And I hope you all enjoyed today's podcast. If you did, head over to Apple Podcasts, head over to YouTube, head over to Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast and subscribe. And if you're already subscribed, I would appreciate it very much if you left us a five-star review if you think we deserve it. And uh, if there's any specific questions that you want answered on the upcoming Q&A podcasts, you can leave those for me on Instagram. You can leave those for me in the, in the questions or comments on YouTube or on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Wherever you can leave me a comment, I will check those on a weekly basis going forward. And we have so many exciting things coming at you from the muscle intelligence community. If you're interested in working with us, I've got a bunch of job openings coming up. Um, so we're looking for a project manager. We're looking for a marketing director. We're looking for a podcast manager and we're looking for a social media manager. So if you're someone who's interested in any of those jobs and you feel like you're a high achiever and you want to be around people who are aspiring for greatness and helping people change their lives every day, head over to muscleintelligence.com slash careers and check out the job descriptions there. You can also apply directly there. I'm going to be hiring immediately and over the next couple of weeks and months. Um, and I'm only looking for people who are ultimately extremely high achievers, extremely motivated, uh, team oriented and self starters. I want people who can ultimately follow through on what they begin and uh, see it through the end. And I want people who are, as I say, uh, elite. I want, we're only going to bring on the best people because our business is going on an upward trajectory over the next few years. And I'm so excited about it. And uh, if you're interested and you want to be part of it, I'd love to speak with you too. So without further ado, thank you very much for being here. I know you have a lot of options when it comes to podcasts and we will continue to deliver better and better and better podcasts every week, every month, every year. Thanks guys. Have a wonderful day. And we'll talk to you soon. Pepe Colescale. Thank you so much for tuning in to Muscle Intelligence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with at least one person you know. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. The statements and views on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Ben Pikulski and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements or advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest 
interest and products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.